0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Live on Purpose Radio. This is Dr. Paul, the shrink, who expands your life, bringing you another episode of Live on Purpose Radio. The purpose of this program is to illuminate and discuss the principles that will allow you to do just that to live on purpose, which means that you have a purpose and you do it on purpose, you do it intentionally. And today, prepare to be enlightened. I have a wonderful guest here with me today. I had the honor of, of uh, hearing this man speak recently, but I've known of him for a while. Um, just to tell you a little bit about him, he is a coach, uh, has been coaching now for 34, almost 35 years, 35 years. In a sport that is a little less known, but that is gaining popularity. When I say a little less known, I mean here in the United States. Because worldwide, this is a very popular sport known as rugby. You will recognize this man from a movie that was produced called Forever Strong. I have with me today Coach Larry Gelwicks, who is the coach of the Highland Rugby team. That's not the only thing he does. He's a husband, he's a father, he's a leader, uh, he's a businessman, and there's a lot of things that he's doing in his life. In the coaching side, though, there are few people in this whole world who can rival the, the record that he has put together with the Highland Rugby team. They are now sitting, as we speak, at 401 wins and nine losses, and that's over a period of a few decades. But I want to uh, turn the mic over to Larry for just a minute, because I may have messed up your introduction. Welcome to Live on Purpose Radio, Larry. Well, thank you, Dr. Paul. It's a
1: pleasure to be here. And the introduction was just fine. It
0: worked out okay. Sure, it did. And so you've been coaching this rugby team for 35 years.
1: Yep. For better or for worse, I'm the only head coach the team has ever had. Uh, mm. We started it in the 1975-76 school year at Highland High School in Salt Lake City. And um, I'm still at it. You know, I'm uh, 59 years old now. I'll be 60 this summer. I'm a young man trapped in an old man's body. Mm. But I'm still enjoying it And uh, 35 years. It's been a lot of fun. And what's really fun is I have the sons of a lot of former players on the on the team now. And I've learned something from that. The apple doesn't fall far from the tree.
0: Isn't that true?
1: For better or for worse, it's uncanny how much these boys are like their fathers. So you're into a
0: multi-generation. Yeah, I figure it's gonna be time to retire when I get the grandsons out, you see. (laughs) That's what you're waiting for. Yeah. Just to give our listeners some appreciation of this sport, you were explaining this to me a little bit before we started the show today, where this record, four hundred and one wins and nine losses nine losses. You're not even in the double figures yet in the loss column. You just came back from from playing a couple of games in the Northwest. That's correct. And you were explaining to me a little bit about just the power and the presence of this Highland rugby team and what what a formidable foe they present to anyone who comes up against them. Share a little bit with our listeners about just what that is well at the risk of sounding self-promoting for the
1: team i will answer your question uh uh, highland is the premier high school youth team in america now as you mentioned rugby is a developing sport in the united states but interestingly enough it is the second most popular sport in the world it's bigger than football Mm. bigger than baseball bigger than basketball only soccer is a larger sport. And I say a developing sport, Dr. Paul, because we're kind of where soccer was 35, 40 years ago Mm. when it was a club sport in the high schools. And, of course, now it's varsity and mainstream, and everybody plays soccer, it seems like, on a Saturday afternoon. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. But in Utah, where we live, we have uh, 20-plus schools playing rugby as a club sport yet across the country there are literally thousands 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 and thousands of teams it's a varsity high school sport in some areas it is Mm -hmm. the fastest growing sport in america right now Mm -hmm. as i said we're kind of where soccer was 30 35 years ago
0: okay and it's it wouldn't be fair to say that rugby is similar to football because rugby came first.
1: Yeah, you know, that's kind of an insider secret there, Dr. Paul, because football is a breakoff sport from rugby. Rugby's the f- parent. Football is the, is the child. You know, I've been a high school football coach, a high school wrestling coach, a high school rugby coach for 30-plus years, all mm-hmm. on a volunteer basis. And and I love all those sports. Now you think of football; it's a tackle sport. You grab the ball, you're running down the field, you cross the goal line, you break that imaginary plane, go into the end zone, and score a touchdown. Touchdown! Where well, you get your six points, you kick the PAT. There's your seven.
0: Right
1: now, you know I can't say that a rugby ball looks like a football because rugby came the first. Rugby came a first. football. Looks like a rugby ball. They're shaped the same. And in rugby, it's a tackle sport. You're running down mm-hmm. the field, you you cross the goal line, you break the imaginary plane, you go into the end zone, but you haven't scored yet. To score ah. in rugby, you have to ground the ball or touch it, touch it down to the ground. There you go. Hence the word touchdown. That's yes. where the word touchdown came from. It's a rugby term originally. Not a football term originally. Mm -hmm. And in rugby for our score, we get five points, Mm -hmm. and the conversion kick is two. There's your seven points. So why does football have seven points? Because rugby had seven points. That's where it's. Why does rugby have
0: seven points? I don't have a clue. Who knows? It's
1: just the way it is. Whoever
0: made it up figured that's how they do it. Now, so the scoring is very similar. And you were sharing with me how you how you folks did. In the Northwest recently. Yeah,
1: well, you know, football and rugby scores are comparable. We have a a football has a uh, a field goal. We have a similar kick also worth uh, three Mm -hmm. points. The Mm -hmm. scoring is very, very similar. And again, they're, they're related sports. And so if you were listening to a game and you heard that, say, BYU beat University of New Mexico 27-10 and you didn't see the game, you have kind of an idea how the game went based upon the score. Right. Uh, I'm really proud of these boys. Uh, you know they they do so well. They have a laser-like focus on excellence, and and the mm-hmm. success of this team is not by accident. There's a reason behind it. There's principles. There's championship strategies that are employed. That are the result of the win. Now, in answer to your question, how the team do this last weekend, we took both our varsity and JV team Mm -hmm. and the varsity uh, on last Thursday played that Chuckanut Bay, uh, which is rated number two in the entire state of Washington, beat them 63 to nothing. And then on Saturday, uh, just a monster game against the east side from portland the oregon state champion undefeated the last 2 years it's an all polynesian team and these guys were monsters wow. and i mean that in a nice way you know they're just yeah, huge because you've got polynesians you know. on your team uh, yeah yeah mm-hmm. anyway uh, we played them and it was a tough game we beat them 77 to nothing interesting wow. what the jv team did the jv team played the uh, a seattle a uh, uh, high school team uh, beat them fifty three to nothing, and then what was just an incredible match, our JV team with four tenth graders starting on it. These are tough kids though mm-hmm. played the University of Washington freshman sophomore team beat them seventeen to fifteen wow. i gotta I gotta tell you now you're a wow. you're a clinical psychologist, aren't yes. you? What do you tell a college team? when a high school JV team team. just beat them up.
0: That's kind of a buzzkill, isn't it? Yeah. You know, this is what caught my attention because you have done this consistently with your team over decades and this is not luck and it is not some fluke of genetics because the kids in Highland are no different from the kids in Orem or no different from the kids in Oregon. There is some We're turning over
1: kids with graduation every year.
0: That's right. You run new kids through. And there, there are principles that have determined the success of the Highland Rugby team. And this has been phenomenal enough to catch the attention of Hollywood and this movie. And we may talk a little bit more about that, although I really want to focus on these principles. Because you have taught these boys something about how to succeed. And it's not about rugby, necessarily.
1: Well, these principles of success, Dr. Paul, work in any situation. They'll work in a business, they'll work in any church or synagogue, they'll work in a community group, they work in neighborhoods, families, they'll work in our personal lives, and yeah,
0: they really do work on a boys' high school sports team. As you have demonstrated with these wonderful, phenomenal young men that you work with, we will return to those principles as soon as we get back from this break. Welcome back.
1: Can I give you a bit of trivia?
0: Do you know who's sure. playing
1: that uh, music? The lead in music? John Schmidt.
0: John Schmidt.
1: Yeah. Former Highland rugby player. There you go. Now, many people don't equate musicians with rough and tumble uh, football or rugby players. John Schmidt was a smash mouth uh, football and rugby player in high school. He was the... uh, halfback on the football team fastest kid on the team and pretty sh- strong muscly kid yeah and then he played rugby also and he was one of our running backs uh, i have uh, known john since the ninth is in the ninth grade now he's a world famous musician fabulous musician, and uh he um he wrote a song in tribute of the highland rugby team it's on one of his cds called game day Oh, wow. But uh, uh, John still comes over to the house, Mm -hmm. and uh, we've enjoyed a long association with John, but there's a bit of trivia for Mm
0: -hmm. you. Well, thank you for sharing that. And it points out a really important thing. We were talking just before the break about how this isn't, isn't about rugby. It's about life, and it's about applying principles in a way that ensure your success. This is something you've been able to capture with these boys on the Highland Rugby team, but the principles... Far go far beyond rugby or school or or any particular activity that you could do. They are principles of life, and I would like to uh, to invite you to sh- to share with our listeners what you've learned that that's at the foundation of success. Whether this is on a sports team or in your occupation, wherever it is, it doesn't matter. What are those? principles? core principles.
1: Well, I believe there's five championship strategies for sustainable success. And the key there, Dr. Mm-hmm. Paul is mm-hmm. sustainable rather than, you know, always the peaks and valleys, which we all have, sure. we all have good days. We have bad days. We have successes. We have setbacks, but the direction in which we're moving rather than where we are at the moment spells the difference in our lives. That's now, right. before I share the, the five championship strategies with you, there's a foundation that of success that has to be built. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's three building blocks. Okay. The first one is you got to have good players on the field. You know, you got to have some horses in the barn. If you want to run, that's right. Uh, You can't take, you know, if every kid on the team is tripping over his shoelaces, when he walks, you know, Mm -hmm. well, God bless him, but it's probably not going to work out on a sports team. But, you know, it's interesting. We get kids that are really, I don't think, statistically different than other teams. We're graduating kids. There's a cross-section of our population Mm -hmm. that comes to our teams. You know, we have over 200 kids in our program right now, grade seven on up. And uh, we have 15 coaches, five teams. All coaches are volunteers. It's a big program. We had 238 kids register with us this year. Mm -hmm. We have a very interesting policy. It's a no-cut policy. Ours Mm -hmm. is a very difficult program, but not in the traditional sense. These kids are stretched. Mm. uh, Not broken, but stretched uh, physically, emotionally, spiritually, psychologically, because we seem to have a system that gets them to perform so far above what they think their limitations are. That's right. You know, what I I tell the boys is you've still got gas in the tank. You know, when Mm -hmm. you're pushed to to your limit emotionally, spiritually, Mm -hmm. academically, physically, by things in life and business, in home, in health, in in love and marriage – we still have gas in the tank. That's right. We can put. We haven't hit our limit uh, uh, with that yet. And so, what we do is we take kids who are good athletes, average athletes, even I would call sub-average athletes, mm-hmm. and you put them into a system that consistently teaches them how to turn out extraordinary results above what they think they can do. Honestly. I don't think our kids are any different. In fact, I can, t- I can think of some national championship tournaments when I thought we were maybe the third or fourth best team in the whole tournament, but they know how to win. But, but what it is, is got to remember these players don't come to us as the finished product. Right. Our children, our students, our, our spouses, our relationships, our partners don't come as the finished product. And we sometimes want allowance for ourselves to grow and develop. It's what, uh, Neil Maxwell used to call developmental discipleship, mm-hmm. you know, but we don't know. In other words, we want that allowance, but we don't always allow others. When a, when right. a gangly little seventh grader shows up on the team with these big eyes and you know, he's seen the movie, He mm-hmm. he wants to be a part of something great. I can't see him. Just as a little thirteen-year-old, I gotta see him as a champion standing there with a gold medal around his neck. Now, how do we get from that point to this point? So they don't come <laughs> as the that's finished. That's where the product.
0: strategies come in. Exactly.
1: Yeah. So the first building block is you. You gotta develop good players. You're in business. You gotta have good people in your in your company. Mm-hmm. For a successful family, you gotta have some good people in your family, but they don't always come that way.
0: You know, my wife shares a. Uh, story where she was listening to a very prominent leader speak, uh, a woman uh, who's just prominent in the community, and someone had approached her after the speech and said, because she had talked about her husband, okay, and she said to to this speaker, gosh, where did you find such a wonderful husband? And her response was, I didn't find him that way. He didn't come that way. (laughs) He didn't come, but the basics are there, and that's what you're talking about. If you have someone who's willing to show up and bring what they've got you can work with. Yeah. That. As I said, we have a no
1: cut policy. Not everybody plays on the varsity. Sure. Not everybody plays in the national championship, but we have a place for everyone if they're willing to do the work. You know, kids right. at this age are so emotionally whacked out anyway. Here's a kid who wants to be a part of something great. What am I going to say to him? I'm sorry. We're going to cut you. You're not cool enough to hang out with us. Mm -hmm. As I said, not everybody's on the varsity. That's the first building block. The second is you got to have a playbook. you got to have a game plan. Can you imagine um, a quarterback going up to the line of scrimmage in a game and saying, you know, guys, we didn't call a play in the huddle, so just do whatever you want. Just anybody. Yeah, it would be chaos, wouldn't it? You know? And so... Be it in a business, in life, in families, there has to be a game plan, how you want to get the end result. You know, in our in our business, we talk about mission statements. Do we have a mission statement in our family, in our relationship, in our marriage? Do we have a mission statement for our own personal life? You know, uh, these kids are are asked all the time, what do you want to be when you grow up? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a good question. A lawyer, a doctor, sure. a carpenter, a clinical psychologist. That's what I want to be. You know, whatever. Yeah. I, you know what I tell the, uh, the boys, Dr. Paul? It doesn't matter what you want to be. It really doesn't matter. As long as you're passionate about it, you enjoy doing it. Mm-hmm. You, you, um, you can support yourself and your family on it, and it's honest and honorable. It doesn't matter. Beyond then. that, it just doesn't it matter. It doesn't. But as important as that question is, what do you want to be? It's not the most important question. Mm-hmm. The single most important question these kids to add, have to answer, in fact, all of us have to answer, is not what do you want to be, but who? Who do you want to do be? Do you want to be? Who do you want to be? Mm-hmm. And you see, we have control over that. That's right. We decide. That's based upon our choices. So number one is, you got to develop good people. Mm-hmm. Develop them. They don't come as the finished product. That's Children right. don't come as the model child. Uh, uh, have a game plan. You, number two, you got to have a playbook, a game plan. Number three, you got to have good coaches. Absolutely. You know, and, and good coaches are not just on the athletic field. How about in life, at work, at home, in our church or synagogue? Uh, a neighbor, an uncle, a parent, a a sibling. (laughs) Anyone who's having a positive or negative influence is a coach.
0: That's right. You're going to make a difference. Yeah. The question is, what kind of difference are you going to make? And what
1: voice are we going to listen to Right. with that? So with that foundation, let me share with you over the next little bit, five championship strategies. The first is, and this is so important, That's probably why it's number one. Choose what team you're going to play for. You know, can you imagine? You know, you take the biggest rivalry in the state of Utah, which is Utah-BYU football. That's right. I love that game. It doesn't matter if you're a Ute or a Cougar. That's a great game. Yeah. You know? I could just imagine the quarterback for uh, either team. Um, You know, he and all of his teammates, they're so pumped up for this game. They're doing everything they can to help their team win, but then they have a big decision to make.
0: And that decision is coming right up.
2: Really far. and money
0: live in a nice big
2: house sunny with a pool, but I'll be cool. I'll always have a gig, i I'll be big, I'll have parties and friends with places to go.
0: Thank you for listening to Live On Purpose Radio. We're so glad to have you here. Please come by the website, drpauljenkins.com, spelled with a D-R, drpauljenkins.com. On the website, you'll have an opportunity to receive a free download. And while you're there, make sure you click on the social media icons. Come over to Facebook, where we will be posting these episodes as well as our YouTube videos and other content and announcements for you to share. Please like us, comment, subscribe, join the conversation. We're happy to have you with us here at Live On Purpose Radio. Let's all support each other to live on purpose.
2: DrPaulJenkins.com You've heard the question a hundred times. Is the glass half empty or half full? If we are in negativity mode, we see the glass is half empty. Anyone can see it's half empty. When we are feeling negative, we focus on what is missing and lament the lack of water in the glass. When we are feeling more positive, we see the glass is half full. Of course it is half full. Anyone can see that. We focus on what we desire and celebrate the presence of water. Then there are those who see it as completely full, all the time. These seemingly crazy people are not just positive, they are pathologically positive. Pathological positivity is an empowering mental supernormality that lifts us above the normal perception of reality. It is a higher level of thinking. We see the glass and our lives as completely full, even in the toughest situations. If you've enjoyed Live On Purpose Radio, then you will love Dr. Paul Jenkins' book on pathological positivity. Available now to order, visit pathologicalpositivity.com to get your copy today. That's pathologicalpositivity.com. Whoever renders service to many puts himself in line for greatness, great wealth, great return, great satisfaction, great reputation, and great joy. Jim Rohn
0: So, Coach, you set us up for the decision. And, you know, I've been really enjoying the NBA playoffs. Yep. (laughs) It's been going really good, hasn't it? Well, you've got a jazz shirt on today. And, And as I was thinking about how much I enjoy watching the jazz play, one of the things that just gets to me the most is if they get a turnover. If they yeah. throw it to the wrong team, and that's what came. Well, you in know, mind.
1: particularly with Mehmet and Karolinko out, mm-hmm. who gave him a ghost of a chance. Well, yeah. the good news is, is that games are played on the court or the playing field, not on paper in the newspapers. That's right. With that, anyway, you know, we we're talking about uh, the big game, Utah and BYU, and everyone is doing. You know, every player is giving it his all. They just want to pound that other team. They're doing everything they can to help their team win. Mm-hmm. And then just imagine if this would happen, be it the BYU quarterback or the Utah quarterback. They've been moving the ball. And then, then he has a thought to himself, you know, I've been helping my team. I think I'm going to deliberately throw an interception or I'm going to deliberately fumble the ball. I'm going to help the other team out now. Let me ask you in all seriousness, Mm -hmm. what are the odds of that ever happening? It just doesn't happen. It's like somewhere between zero and never. Yes. Yeah. Um, I mean, it is so ridiculous. It's laughable that in a sporting event, we would have a split or divided loyalty. Why? We know what team we play for we know what jersey that we wear yes and while we would never even entertain the thought in sports that's mm-hmm. exactly what we sometimes do in our families in our marriage in our personal life in our relationship we fall for the biggest lie of the century and that is i can play for two teams i can have a secret life i can have a double life I don't have to show absolute, absolute fidelity and, and dedication and loyalty to one team. In other words, we think we can wear two jerseys. And you probably see that in your practice. All, all the time. Yeah. Choose what team you're going to play for. And then mm-hmm. you put the jersey on of that team. And you're proud of that jersey. When I say the jersey, you know, in football, we're going to put on a blue jersey or a red jersey or something like that. But we all wear a jersey in life. And, you know, you look at the American flag of this wonderful, great country. The flag is not the country. The flag is only a symbol of what this country stands for, our shared values, those things that we hold dear, those things that we believe in, those principles that define us. That's what the That's flag right. is. Other than that, it's a piece of cloth. Yes. But what does it represent? What does it And stand so the for? jersey, the jersey is what we believe in. It's who we are, not what we are. You mm-hmm. know, what I've found, uh, Dr. Paul, is that every one of us, has a book written about us? That book is amazingly accurate, yes. and that book is written by everyone and everything that we have an interaction with. Mm-hmm. It's who we are, mm-hmm. and it it really is a correct, uh, a correct and accurate read. So the number one thing I think the key to success is you got to choose what team you're going to play for in life, in love, in business, in relationships. And you cannot have split loyalties. You cannot think, you know, that by osmosis, our families are going to develop. In physics, there's a, a law of increasing entropy, which states that things go mm-hmm. from an ordered state to a disordered state. That's right. Well, that's exactly what happens in our life, our business, our relationships and family if we don't tend to it.
0: Unless you apply Choose some Choose
1: what effort. team you're going to play for and then put the jersey on. So that's the first that's of these first five line. strategies. Yep. Number two, I call don't play with snakes. And it, with the limitations of time here, I, I won't relate a story that's actually on the DVD Forever Strong. You know, there's the movie and then there's a special the feature. Special features. There's, yes. I mean, there's the usual stuff, the viral video, the bloopers, the funny stuff. Um, but there's, there's one section called Living Forever Strong. Where I talk about moral values and ethics,
0: and you basically cover these five points, I do on the video as well. So I want yeah. to encourage you, listeners, to go review that for the stories and for a supplement to what we're talking. about And again, about that's here today. on
1: the on the video uh, in the special features section of the of the DVD. Forever strong, but don't play with snakes. I tell a story of a young man who picked up a rattlesnake. True mm-hmm. story. Yes, he knew what it was i believe his name was mike (laughs) his name was mike uh and he knew what it was he played with it got distracted and got bit by the snake yeah and i remember saying you know mike what were you thinking you knew what it was when you picked it up that's right
0: you knew what it was yeah but i've handled them before and And so
1: the point of this is there's a right and wrong in life and we as a society Uh, are blurring the line of accountability and responsibility we want everything to be situational ethics there really is a right and wrong now i'm not talking about imposing my personal social views political views or religious views on anyone has nothing to do with that Mm -hmm. but there is a basic human right and wrong you don't lie You don't cheat. You don't steal. You don't take advantage of people. You don't withhold information that's critical to the situation. You don't manipulate people. You don't backstab people. Mm -hmm. These are basic issues of right and wrong. You know, uh, the prophet Samuel said in the scriptures, for it is given unto you. To know right from wrong. wrong. To know good from evil is what he said. We know. I was uh, speaking at a national convention back in Chicago recently of tax accountants. Hmm. And I was having lunch with um, uh, several of the attendees. I was the keynote speaker. And I was talking about this. this, Mm -hmm. There is a right and wrong in life. And that's a tough one for accountancy because they try to get to a position of what's called more likely than not. As an IRS defensible position sure but I was having I was having lunch with two former executives of Arthur Anderson, w- you know one of the biggest accounting firms that just kind of you know everything fell with the Enron scandal you remember that how many millions uh, yes, of, I do how many millions of people Dr. Paul lost their homes wow. their mortgage their annuities their retirement mm hmm because of an accounting scandal. And I said to them, they were not involved in the end run, but I'm t- just a private lunch to mm-hmm. the senior, senior executives. And I said, You tell me for one second that those guys who were cooking the books mm-hmm. didn't know that falsifying accounting records was wrong. That's right. And they said, They knew. And I said, But when mm. were they remorseful when they got caught?
0: You know what? I have run. I have run groups in prisons, in correctional facilities, people who have violated all kinds of laws and standards, and I've had this discussion with them you about: knew. Do you, you know? Knew. Yes, they knew, and they know what's right, and they know what's wrong. But you know what they hadn't learned?
1: It's a universal law of life: you mm. play with a rattlesnake. Sooner or later, what's going to happen? You're going to get bit. You're going to get bit. That's sure what snakes as the sun, do. Yeah. As sure as the sun's going to come up over the East Mountains, sooner or later, it's going to bite you. It may be uh, a behavior. It may be an addictive behavior. It may be any sort of personal thing we're dealing with. Sooner or later, that's going to bite you. And I, I'm, I'm sure you deal with this in your practice all the time. And it's always, well, I can manage it. I can handle it.
0: It's not that bad.
1: No, no. You see, Mm -hmm. we we get into denial. We get into comparative virtue. Uh, Well, I may do this, but it's not that bad. We get into comparing ourselves to other people. Well, I do this, but he does that. Mm -hmm. That has nothing to do with who you are. So number one, choose what team you're going to play for. Number two... Don't, Don't play, play with snakes. snakes. There is a right and wrong. Number 3 is hit the field running. I'll flat out tell you that attitude and effort are more important than natural ability. Attitude and effort are more important than natural smarts. Attitude and effort separate the champs from the chumps. There with you that. Go. Now, you know, people say all the time, uh, you know, you need to change your attitude. You know, mm-hmm. if if you're A married man, like we are, you get that two or three times a day. (laughs) And our wives are right in telling us that. They happen to be, yes. I have a a view that I tell the boys that I think telling someone to change their attitude may be the most ridiculous, silly thing you can ever say to someone. It makes no sense. I'm 59 years old. Now, my attitudes, my views, my opinions are shaped by every experience that I've ever had in 59 years. Mm-hmm. You know, I ha- I have a view and opinion on anything. Just ask me. <laughs> You'll you know, tell them. But, but they're 59 years old. Of every experience that's happened, and the key is, why is it so ridiculous to tell someone to change their attitude? I'm going to tell you that in just a minute.
0: Oh, wonderful. Stick with us. We'll be right back. Larry you told us that there's five principles we're right in the middle of number 3 yeah and and why i think telling someone
1: to change their attitude makes no sense is because as i said our attitudes our opinions our views how we see life rationally or irrationally are formed by everything we've ever experienced seen heard mm-hmm. tasted felt uh, every stimulus that we've ever had in our life just a collection of our experience it's a collection and our brain doesn't forget it our recall might forget it but our, but mm-hmm. our psyche does not and so some someone walks up to me and says Larry you need to change your attitude well they're probably right mm-hmm. but I mean think of what they're asking me to do 59 years of opinion and they come up and in a snap of a finger I should change my attitude. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. I can't just change 59 years of experience because someone said to, now I can fake it, and say, oh, yeah, 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 you're right. you know all that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: There is a way to change attitude. There's only one way you can change an attitude. You want to change your attitude about your work, yourself, your self-image, physically, spiritually, emotionally, your family, your church or synagogue. If you want to change your attitude... You must first change your behavior. It has mm. been my experience that attitude follows behavior, not the other way around. Interesting. You wanna change your attitude? So, no one should ever say, Larry, you need to change your attitude. What they should say is, Larry, you need to change your behavior. Then we identify the behavior, we identify mm. the rattlesnakes, we identify the consequences, and then I change that behavior. And why am I surprised when my attitude changes? When your life's so much better. Yeah, and, and some of us want or say, "I got to change my attitude," but we never change our behavior, and then we wonder why we're hungry. We wonder why nothing good is happening. We wonder why life is so unsatisfying. Mm. Change your behavior Mm -hmm. if you want to change your attitude. So number one was choose what team you're going to play for. Where is your loyalty? Where is your heart? Number two, don't play with snakes. There is a right and a wrong in life. Number three, hit the field running. Attitude Attitude and and effort effort are everything. Number four, expect to win. And I spell win Hmm. all in capitals. W period, I period, N period. What's important now? All right. You're a football fan? Yes. Okay. It's goal to go on the one-yard line, mm-hmm. and the other team is, is about to go in. The coach sends in what's called a prevent defense. What is that defense? The prevent— What does it look like? It's- Excuse me. I mean the goal line defense. Yeah, stack yeah. it up so that nobody can penetrate the goal. Exactly. Okay, it's middle of the field, third and 30 and you send he sends in the prevent or the hail mary or the nickelback defense. Does how does that look? 3 or 4 people rushing and, and linebackers and cornerbacks said, I'll give you 20 yards, but I won't give you 30 yards. Sure. Okay. How how smart would it be if Coach Mendenhall? I assume you're a BYU fan because we're here. in Utah. County. Yeah, okay, that's that's fair enough. You know, <laughs> I'm our, a graduate as Bronco, well. Bronco Broncos, uh, it's it, the Utes are goal to go on the one. They're about to score the game winning touchdown, and Bronco sends in the prevent defense with three linemen and eight linebackers and defensive backs. How smart of a move would that mm. be? Well, at least they're never going to throw the bomb on us. Yeah. You see, you look at every situation and you say, what is my end result? What do I want to accomplish? That's tomorrow. Okay. And then you say, what's important now that helps me achieve tomorrow? So, what's important now is the goal line defense. When it's goal.
0: And it's based on that vision of what's important tomorrow.
1: Exactly. See, so so many of us are making our decisions based upon what's happening right now. You know, there's a time and place for that. But how does this affect? You know, I tell the boys that the real test of maturity is the ability to see down the road of life just a little bit and understand the consequences tomorrow for my choices today. I Mm -hmm. I want a good job. Well, I can't go out with my buddies tonight. I got to do my homework. I want to have a healthy lifestyle. I better, you know, push the, the ice cream a half gallon that I'm eating. You know, in other words, it's what is is important now mm-hmm. uh, for doing this. And you look at a mission statement. You know, we talked about that earlier. Do we have a mission statement that defines what's important now and what's important tomorrow? Now, this leads into the, the uh, fifth and final principle, okay. focus on. On the final score. You see, mm-hmm. as a coach, I have to focus on the end game. What do I want to accomplish? You know, And if I'm down by 21 points at halftime, I can't get discouraged. If I'm up by 50, mm-hmm. I can't put the game on cruise control. I have to manage all four quarters, and I have to say, I know what I want my end game to be. Now, in sports, mm-hmm. we don't know what the final score will be until the game is over.
0: Until it's over. But that's the only score that matters. Yes. But in life, we
1: do. You see, the final score of Mm -hmm. who I want to be, I write that script. I decide, now. I can't control other people. But if Mm -hmm. my final score is who I want to be, a man or woman of integrity, of honesty, of virtue, of hard work, of ethics, (laughs) then I can sustain um, setbacks. I can sustain fumbles, missed tackles, stepping out of bounds, things Mm -hmm. like that. Uh, Other people will betray us. Uh, We'll have health issues. We'll have children who make choices that we would not have for them. But if the final score is who I am and Mm -hmm. I'm doing everything I can today to accomplish that tomorrow, Then it's kind of like the prophet Nephi said uh, when he said, I don't know the meaning of all things, meaning I don't have all the answers. Yeah, But he says, I don't know the meaning of all things, but I know that God loveth his children. And when we have that feeling that God knows our name, Mm -hmm. loves us and has loved us for a very very long time Mm -hmm. this is universal with any church or synagogue that god knows who we are and that we are a person of value and i'm striving to this is the person i want to be now i'm going to tell you something dr paul Mm -hmm. these things work choose what team you're going to play for where is your loyalty don't Play with snakes. We know what's right. We know what's wrong. Hit the field running. Attitude and effort are everything. Expect to win. What's important now and how does that play into what's important tomorrow? And and number five, always keep our focus on the final score of who we want to be. These things will work in any business. I've lectured at one at Fortune 100 companies that have implemented this. They work in a church or synagogue, a neighborhood group, a family, individual lives yes. of our own. And yeah, they really do work on a boys' high school sports team.
0: As you have demonstrated with your team. They work. And, and as you were talking about all of those principles and those strategies, I was seeing clearly through my own experience that this is what works. And so I add my two cents to that whole thing by saying from my experience as a clinical psychologist, and I am a coach too, and I'm coaching people in a little different context than you are, but the principles are the same. Thank you for sharing those with it's us. It's my
1: pleasure, Dr. I Paul. want to
0: make sure that our listeners have a way to get connected with you. You're doing some fun things, oh, including well, with uh, Columbus Travel. Yeah, this I, is I'm company. the
1: CEO of Columbus Travel in uh, Bountiful, Utah. Mm-hmm. And uh, you could reach us at columbusvacations.com, C O L U M B U S. Vacations with an S on the end dot uh, com. I also okay. host the travel show. It's mm-hmm. a syndicated radio show. Uh, it's picked up by various stations in the Intermountain area. It originates with station KNRS one hundred five point seven. That's the same station that Rush and Glenn Beck and Doctor Laura are on. Mm-hmm. Every Saturday, eleven a.m. to one p.m., uh, we talk travel. We take your calls, and we have a lot of fun.
0: Well, you are the getaway guru. That I I plead guilty to, the getaway (laughs) guru. And you've got some other fun things coming up in connection with that. Uh, Again, that's columbusvacations.com. That's correct. And uh, there's there's links and events. uh, There's a lot of things there. there. You can also catch me
1: every Wednesday morning at 7.50. I do the Getaway Guru series for KUTV Channel 2 News as part of the morning news team on Wednesdays at 7.50.
0: And then you can actually see Larry. There you go. Instead of
1: just hearing his voice. Uh, Although people tell me I have a radio face. (laughs) Well, with that radio face, you get the last one. Hey, thank you very much. It's a pleasure to share this time with you and your listeners.